You are listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure you're following us on all social media at lunchpailguys underscore. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special fantasy football edition of the Launchpail Guys podcast. It's just me and Wyatt here today. I'm Lucas, and we're going to start a little series that we're going to do in the lead up to the football season on fantasy football. So it'll just be the two of us, and we'll maybe you know bring in a guest or two of one of the other guys and go through each of the major fantasy football positions, give a breakdown of who we think uh, will be the best of the position, some overrated, underrated type guys. And just talk about the value of the position in general for our fantasy teams. I believe White and I are very well qualified uh, to be giving this advice as well. I won our Lunchfield Guys Fantasy Football League last year. And Wyatt, he's known as the fantasy football guy on the show. So between the two of us, um, he won, he's won a couple leagues in his life. Something I couldn't say until this past year. So uh, we think we're pretty well qualified to be doing this. Um, so it would be quick, short-hitting episodes where we just go in on a certain position get you best prepared for your fantasy football league. And the first position we're going to be doing today is the running back. So we'll start off with you, Wyatt. Uh, What is the value of the running back in fantasy football? Um, And where should they sort of rank in your draft strategy? Why should you be uh, drafting a running back? Well, I think the value for running backs has changed quite a bit from what it was maybe three or four years ago. I actually think that they've lost a little bit of value for what it is uh, across the board um, because of the growth in the wide receiver position, because of the change the league has, similar to like what the Steph Curry effect was in the NBA, where players and teams started shooting three-pointers a lot more. It's almost like the Patrick Mahomes effect, where it's like, we're going to get big-arm talent, we're going to take lots of shots downfield, we're going to be a really ha- pass-heavy offense. Heck, even uh, Tom Brady in his final year was throwing a ton for a guy his age. Um, so it is going to be like dramatically less in comparison to what it was because teams just don't follow like the Pete Carroll offense anymore. It's a lot more spread um, and it's a lot more well distributed. I also think as far as running back production goes, there is a pretty big drop off after maybe like the first four, maybe five. Uh, But especially once you get into like that six, seven, eight range, it kind of drops dramatically. So once you move past maybe the first round, in your fantasy draft where some running backs will probably be taken somewhere from six to nine. It is not really worth your time in your investment to just say, well, I need to get a running back. Running backs are valuable. Uh, let me just go ahead and reach for one here early. Then supplement that with a handful of wide receiver talent. I think in this year, these coming fantasy football drafts in this next year, we're going to see a lot of wide receivers between Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and et cetera go well before um, running backs will end up going. So do you think then, um, because I agree that there's a pretty dramatic drop off in running backs of the first few guys, if you have maybe one of those first five picks in your draft, should you be valuing a running back at one of those positions? Because that's really the only position you'll be able to get a really high productive running back at. Um, Yes, maybe maybe more closer to five, because I think the first three picks are going to be somewhere between Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup. And then after that, you kind of get into that Christian McCaffrey uh, territory. And then once you get later into the back end, but I'm certainly like, 
you know, you, you want to get a guy who's top, top 12 at your category, and we're going to give our top 12s here in the next segment. But when you get out of the top three or four, like I said, it's not worth saying, I want a top 12 guy, so I'm going to go get guy number nine, even if you think that he's going to be really good because – you know, wide receiver number nine may still double their production in a sense. Doubles hyper being I'm being hyperbolic, but it, it, it's still going to be like the ninth ranked wide receiver, or even like the thirteenth ranked wide receiver might match the production of a ninth ranked running back. So if you're not if you're in one through five, four is kind of where it gets tricky. It's like where the draft really starts, as they like to say. Um, you know, because you might be able to value a different wide receiver at that point, but you know, five through six. I'm. I mean, once I once I get past those first two guys, I'm I'm moving on in the first round. Okay, yeah. So we're gonna talk a little bit just then more about the specifics, the mechanics of fantasy football for those, uh, you know, new players out there who are listening to sort of get some advice on their league. Uh, can you tell me why? What is PPR when it comes to fantasy leagues, and how does that affect where you should be drafting your running backs if your league is PPR versus whether it's non PPR? Well, if it's PPR, PPR stands for points per reception, and I've actually only ever played in PPR leagues, so that's kind of where my experience comes from. It basically, running backs who catch the ball are far more valuable than running backs who are just strictly runners and get points for yards and touchdowns. If you want a guy who's going to score a lot of touchdowns, you may need to just get a guy who does a lot of red zone touches and you move on from that running back position. Um, but like that's where... Wide receivers for me take a lot more value just because of the given spread of the ball. You know, uh, like Justin Jefferson was getting 10 catches. Like that's 10 automatic points. And 10 points, I think, is a very good floor in fantasy. So even if he had 10 points for or 10 catches for no yards, it is going to be a lot more. Um, unfortunately for the running back position, you can get a catch and not necessarily get the production given the scoring, the base scoring for a lot of the yards per um, per rush is not necessarily a huge translation into uh, a lump sum of points you basically basically if you were going to get a non-ppr league you need to get high touchdown production which is kind of where it gets tricky between the way you evaluate guys yeah and i think what happens there is one of the leagues i was in last year and i've been in a few past years as a non-ppr league and i think it really raises the value of running backs especially in comparison to wide receivers because i agree with you why that you know with the modern NFL, with the aired out offense, wide receivers are sort of slowly increasing in terms of your value in a league, whereas, wide, whereas running backs instead are decreasing. But if you're in a non-PPR league, you don't really get that floor of points that you get from a wide receiver for each reception. So your running backs sort of regain that value that they've lost over the last few years in the changing offense because especially with guys who can really just pound it in the red zone, become really valuable, even if they don't get as many yards, because you know there's not that sort of baseline of receptions from wide receivers that you get. So if they have an off game, you know, only run for, you know, only have like three catches for 50 yards or something like that, that's a big decrease in points you lose from the PPRness, whereas running backs are sort of kind of consistent because they're receiving the ball less across the PPR versus non-PPR league. Mm-hmm. So, um, with that being said, we're going to go through and each give our a ranking of our 12 best running backs, um, and sort of just like go through and you can use that to craft what you think are the 12 running backs you should be taking. 
Um, so how do you want to do this? Do you want to give we each give our first, then our second, or we each of us go one through yeah, twelve? Yeah, let's just you give your first, I'll give my first, and we'll talk about it. But I think we're going to be okay. pretty agreed on here. Yeah, I think the first is pretty clear for me at least. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. uh, running back for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he has always been a fantasy beast. He catches the ball out of the backfield. And he's especially been lethal in the Giants, not the Giants, Frank Sport, in the 49ers offense since he got traded there midseason last year. You look at his last few weeks of the season last year, just look at weeks 13 through 18 in terms of his PPR points. He had 28.6, 29.3, 25.8, 13.8, 31.3, and 16.9. Those are really, really good and consistent numbers from your running back one. His floor is even there pretty high i mean he had a couple games where he had eight ish points but for the most part he's never getting below 13 14 15 points i think that's really good value that's sort of consistent you consistency you want from your first running back so i I think mccaffrey is the first one and kyle shanahan is the best run schemer in the nfl like that's his calling card is that his schemes are just so fantastic he and he's been doing it so well with you know, late drawn running backs, late late draft um, running backs these last couple of years. So what what happens now that he has a full season with a guy like Christian McCaffrey? How elaborate can it go? Because I mean, they have had no problem using Debo Samuel and moving guys around in their weapon room. Um, even George Kittle gets moved around quite a bit. So I think that there's going to be a huge opening here when it comes to their playbook and what they're allowed to do now that they have a full offseason going and just given the sheer amount of talent that Christian McCaffrey was able to be number one for all these years in Carolina and now that he's on actually a really good winning football team it's gonna get even better no I totally agree all right you want to start off who's your second after uh, McCaffrey at number two I have Austin Eckler um, I still think that Austin Eckler has some value. I know that there was a little bit of a rocky relationship between him and the Chargers, uh, given that he requested a trade not after not giving, not getting the respect that he feels he deserves in his contract. I do think though that they still value him. Um, I don't necessarily believe in the weapon room around Justin Herbert right now because I think Keenan Allen is still aging. Mike Williams has been injury prone throughout his entire career outside of like the first five weeks of the season. Quentin Johnson is going to be a pretty good player for them, but he's also more of like a downfield type player who may have a limited route tree in a sense. Austin Eckler is going to dominate in the short yardage, and they didn't really look to replace him as maybe it was kind of mocked up that they might be. There was talk that maybe B. John Robinson was going to become their guy because Austin Eckler just doesn't run between the guards very or the tackles very well. But he still is probably the best pass catcher in the league. He's going to eat up that category, and he scores a lot of touchdowns. So I think that there's going to be a point where he just kind of sneaks his way, and you one day you're like, I wonder what he's ranked, and it's like three. And you're like, oh, okay. He's the third best running back in fantasy football. Plus, he loves fantasy football, so I think that he just kind of eats that up. Like, um, So I, I think that he still has value, and the Chargers see it that way as well. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you'll be hearing about him from me shortly, but I went with Josh Jacobs at number two, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, really consistent last year. If we're looking at PPR points, he was third overall. Um, first last year was Eckler, second was McCaffrey. But I think that in the coming year, or in the coming year, that the Raiders don't really have a ton of offensive weapons. I mean, they have Devontae Adams, but outside of that, with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, I think that you're going to be relying heavily on your run game. 
Garoppolo has never been a guy that can sort of go out and win games at the quarterback position. He's always relied on a good run game and good scheming. And so if the Raiders are smart, I think that they will lean on that next year, which means that Josh Jacobs is going to get a lot of touches. I think he'll get an increased number of touches too because Darren Waller left. Uh, their star tight end went to the Giants. And for that reason, I think Jacobs is in position to get a lot of touches. Hopefully he has some games uh, like he did last year. He's kind of boomer bust in some ways. He either has a lot of points or not many points at all. At least that's how it played out last year. Like He had games last year where he had 48 fantasy points, 36, 34, 30. But then some ones where he bought him out and only six or seven or eight. So I think because there's that huge boom potential of those 48-point games, of those even consistently 30-some point games that Jacobs is really good as a second pick, especially because I think their offense is going to be relying a lot on him next year. Um, And then I'll go back for my third. I have Austin Eckler. I think it's very close. I have him uh, third for a lot of the same reasons that Wyatt had him at second. I think he's just going to get a lot. He's a great pass catcher. He's going to get a lot of touches. He was the highest overall scoring running back last year. But I think the tension there just is the one thing that maybe rubs me slightly the wrong way. He described it as him being punched in the face by the Chargers when they refused to negotiate contract extensions. And I just think that energy in the locker room might have some effect, but I don't think too dramatic, so I still have him at third. At three, I have Saquon Barkley, who I think will probably have an even better year when it comes to his level of production. He had some slumps somewhere in between, kind of when teams seemed to scheme him out of it, and a couple like really low performances. He has an eight-point performance, a three-point performance, a four-point performance, a five-point performance, which are not very good to look at. But, I mean, his floor is about 15 points, really. I mean, like he like his the four and five points is rock bottom. Uh, he seems to be averaging somewhere around 15 points, which I think is really good. Um, I also think that his high end is going to be a lot better. He is the offense, but also they've added Darren Waller, like you just mentioned. Uh, they added some wide receivers to that that maybe add some downfield versatility that doesn't allow the Giants to just be a one-trick pony, in a sense. Brian Dayball clearly has a great scheme. Uh, it, it clearly works for him. What was a resurgence from last year, and I still think that he has value just as from a talent perspective. Um, great pass catcher, great you know runner. I think that he runs a lot more willingly now, in the sense that he's not necessarily trying to just break it off for a big play. He will take what he gets in this new scheme, try to run somebody over, and then eventually the big plays come. I think that's going to translate here in the next couple of uh, the next year or so in the system. And I just, talent-wise, I got to bet against what might be an improved team in a great scheme. That's fair. All right, let's roll, let's roll right into four then. Who do you have at four? At four, I have Derrick Henry, who I think still has some value to the Titans. And it clearly doesn't seem to be dropping off in the way that they it has been thought of that he would. Um, he has some really big performances on his resume, including three 20-point performances back-to-back-to-back. Um, a 34-point performance, a 23-point performance, another 22-point performance, which is really good. The Tennessee Titans don't necessarily have a whole lot of talent around him. He is that team. Um, The only problem with it really is that they have had – they will have a lesser-than offensive line this year. Um, We'll we'll see kind of what that looks like with some young people coming in to fill those roles. Um, Skoronsky, Will Levis will take over probably – at the quarterback position mm-hmm. at some point. Traylon Burks is a year two guy who they're going to be relying on. So it's going to be dependent on how well those young guys really try to 
become major contributors on that team. But Derrick Henry is going to be like the foundation in which they stand. And I'm going to go with just a sheer numbers game that he is death by a thousand paper cuts. And he's going to get, you know, 20 touches and a couple of them are going to have touchdowns. He's going to break off just because that's who he is and he hasn't fallen off yet. Yeah, that's fair. All right, I'll go through my four and then five. Uh, so four, I have Nick Chubb. Um, part of this is relying on the fact that According to the Browns running back coach, Stump Mitchell, he's going to have the opportunity to catch a lot more passes last year, which especially if you're in a PPR league, we really great for Nick Chubb. Um, again, he was very consistent across the board last year when you look at it. Um, he averaged 60.6 points per game, which is great of what you want from running back. He wasn't as quite boomer bust as somebody like Josh Jacobs, which I think plays in his favor. A lot of consistent games between 15 or 25 points. A couple dips into the 8s and 9s, but for the most part, he's really good and consistent. I think the Browns' offense is going to be improved this year, although I do, we've talked about it on the pod, what a boycott everything about the Browns. I think the fact that the offense will probably be better, there'll be another year sort of with this group in system, I think that'll be better for Chubb as he improves. He's still not super old yet at 27, and just that ability to have a greater pass-catching role going into this year, I think, especially for fantasy purposes, is going to be really good for Chubb, and one of the reasons why I think he's going to overperform maybe a little bit of expectations this year. That being said, I don't think four is necessarily crazy outside the range of where you would expect him. I've seen a lot of you know sort of rankings have him somewhere between five and ten um, at this point. Um, I'm going to go with the next one. I'm going to go with Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys. I think without Zeke there, um, he's going to have sort of the ability to sort of just dominate. His points last year, um, he averaged 15.6 despite, you know, sharing touches with Zeke. He sort of got off to a slowish start when he wasn't the main feature back all the time. But you look at when he got into it in weeks eight, 7, not 10, 11, sort of as the season went on, he had 33-point games, 21-point games, 36-point games, 22-point games. The Cowboys offense next year, as it has in the past, is going to be high-flying. And with Pollard getting the majority of the touches, I think he's going to be a really good choice as a high-point scoring running back. Um, at number five, I have Josh Jacobs. There's going to be no new names between the two next picks that I have here. Um, I, here's the thing is I slightly disagree with your take about how like Jimmy Garoppolo is bad. Therefore, Josh Jacobs will be the guy that they lean on, which is somewhat of the criteria that I had for uh, Derrick Henry. But at the very least, Derrick Henry actually did have a higher average per game than Josh Jacobs did. Um, even though Josh Jacobs scored more points, which does speak to the boomer bust nature of Josh Jacobs this last year, which I think that 42 point game was a game against Seattle where he had like three touchdowns or something like that. I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the case for the Raiders this year. I do think that there are going to be a lot of drives where Jimmy Garoppolo messes something up and ends them short. Um, I think that this offense is going to be relatively stagnant to a point where the teams might want to scheme against Josh Jacobs and dare Jimmy Garoppolo to do it. Um, I do feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is a downgrade from Derek Carr. Um, but the problem is is that the reason why I still have him ranked at five is that clearly this scheme does have some benefit to Josh Jacobs, who has been pretty stagnant for the course of his career after having a boom year. I just don't know if I necessarily see the high end as the best running back in fantasy football as one and two mm-hmm. um, with the nature of which they had a, a team being able to, to look at this scheme against it and – what has been a downgrade offensively between losing Darren Waller and losing Derek Carr for Jimmy Garoppolo, 
who I guess Jimmy Garoppolo might not even be on the team given the physical stuff, but uh, whatever. You know, yeah. it's it's uh, it's just I don't necessarily believe in the Raiders, and I think that that's working against Josh Jacobs for me. The next guy I have on is yeah. Nick Chubb, who I hear the, I hear what you're saying about him being more of a pass catcher. The problem with Nick Chubb is he's always capped out on the amount of production mm-hmm. he can because he hasn't been a pass catcher. And uh, with Kareem Hunt not being re-signed, that does leave some room for opportunity for him to take on a bigger role in that nature. This is more of a I would like to see it. He's going to rush for 100 yards every single game, so you at least get the floor 10 points because you get the one for every 10 yards. He's probably going to score a touchdown, so you maybe get somewhere between uh, 16 points or so. But he, and his average last year was 15 points. So it's it's like somewhere in there where it's like, okay, you get a touchdown, he maybe gets 100 yards or he gets 80 and a touchdown, whatever that might look like. Um, but he is really just like really consistent but not high-end. And I'll take the consistency as a like if I was going building a team and I were to go a heavy wide receiver and then add Nick Chubb for a high floor, I, I think that would be fantastic. If you were to draft Nick Chubb really early on, and this is where I'm talking about where like when you get to five and six and seven, uh, if you were to draft him really early on, this is where I would struggle having him be what is a bell cow because I just haven't seen that level of reliance in his within his offense that puts him at the end where he may be one of the three best players in fantasy. That's fair. All right, I'll go up next with my six and seven. So at six, I have Brees Hall uh, running back for the New York Jets. This might be a bit of a reach, but if you look at his early season production last year before the injury, um, he consistently got better and better and better. From 10 points to 13 to 15 to another 15 to 27 to 20 to 13. That average puts him about where somebody like Nick Chubb is at. So I think you're talking again that higher floor, but we really haven't seen the best Brees Hall had to offer. He's a rookie last year, and then going into this year, I think he'll have an even better offense. Uh, I'll have Aaron Rodgers there, which is a huge upgrade over Zach Wilson at the position. Just that sort of fluidity in the offense, I think, will benefit him, but also sort of the flip side to what uh, Wyatt was saying about Josh Jacobs potentially not getting as many points because, you know, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo messes something up. I think Brees Hall will have the opportunity to get even more points because the Jets are going to score a lot of points this year. So you get down in the red zone because of Rodgers and the offense, and Brees Hall is going to be one of the guys who can punch it in. So I think Brees Hall, not only for the reasons um, of his sort of really consistent play in his rookie year last year, the sort of showing as a high potential running back, but also because just the improvement on the Jets' offense is going to give Brees Hall a chance for a lot of touches and to score a lot of points next year. Um, and my seven, then, is Derek Henry. Um, so, again, not a new name. White mentioned him. And for a lot of the reasons Wyatt mentioned, I think that he's going to be, again, a high point scorer last year. He helped my fantasy team specifically out this year. I just do think we keep sort of waiting on the decline of Derrick Henry, and I think we're going to just see a very slight bit of it last year. Um, the high average was there, but again, that's in part because he missed game, or you know, he was he had some like maybe not missed games because he played consistently throughout the year, but he had just some like misses of games. There were a few eight point games, three actually a five point game. So I think. We're starting to maybe see the decline a little bit. He can't shoulder the load for too long. I feel like at this point he's on the tail end of his career, at least in terms of a running back. And I can see them with Will Levis, with Traylon Burks, sort of pivoting towards a slight, trying to get more in a passing direction. 
because they don't want Henry to carry the load and completely destroy his body. But I still think we're maybe a year out from a big decline. I think he'll just have a slight step back this year. But I think he's still a really good option at um, for your running back. Yeah, at number seven, I have Tony Pollard, who I like as a player. Um, he... It's it's curious on whether or not he really can be a bell cow guy. It's, it's be, he was between, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was the thunder and he was the flash, and they would kind of play off of each other where he'd bruise him up, Ezekiel Elliott would bruise him up, and then he would go ahead and make up break a big play. I think though that with more reps and more carries in this offense, that he's going to be uh, a, a guy that they gets a lot of production. I don't think the Cowboys are ignorant enough to believe and maybe they are ignorant enough though to believe that we're just going to have Dak Prescott throw it 45 times and you know Tony Pollard is an accessory I think they know that the run game is valuable uh, and and they're going to and they wouldn't have tagged Tony Pollard if they didn't believe so Uh, they drafted Deuce Vaughn who's going to be a nice accessory but I think Tony Pollard is the guy with a lot of touches and Ezekiel Elliott not being there takes up like those short yard gains where he would kind of snake away a touchdown after a really big drive. So I think that Pollard is going to get a lot more work, especially goal line work. So I think we're going to see a big uptick in touchdowns, even if there is a little bit of a downtick in like maybe yards per carry. At number eight, I have Travis Etienne, who I had high hopes for. Unfortunately, though, Etienne did fall after missing some time to like a foot injury. Um, I think it was between the bye week around there where he had he had basically five really bad weeks following a foot injury. Um, I, I like ETN a lot. Again, this team did not look to replace ETN in any capacity. James or, yeah, James Robinson ended up getting traded away and then cut, unfortunately, who was a good player, but there's nobody else eating up the yards but Travis ETN. He, he is the guy. He is a similar vein as Tony Pollard where he is just going to get – a lot of carries. He has a lot of speed to make a breakaway, and I do believe that he is a valuable pass catcher. So when the Jaguars drafted Travis Etienne, they actually wanted Kadarius Tony, and they went for Travis Etienne after the Giants had picked him up, and they planned to use him in like a Swiss Army knife type way, as they like to describe it, um, in that Alvin Kamara role, as they like to describe it. So I think that there is a lot of production to be had for, e- for Etienne. It's just whether or not the team – is good enough and he can stay healthy yeah that's fair first guy who you had who is not on my list but i do like it as a peggy tn i think it's a good one next up i have one of your higher ranked ones uh saquon barkley um for him the age is my main concern here and the sort of ongoing contract situation that i think is still just sort of floating out there and might negatively impact on the teams but as you mentioned the upside is definitely there from last year he's really consistent um 17.8 points per game last year which was fifth he has those big games the explosions for 33 points like he had in week one last year but for the most part he's just always kind of going to get you somewhere between 12 and 20 points in most games the games where he scored in single digits are sort of few and far between only two last year or three last year sorry where he was below 10 points um so I worry a little bit about the age, the contract situation having a negative effect, but I think he's still one of the best running backs you can take. Um, and going then to nine, we have Joe Mixon for me. 
Um, I think the Bengals' high-powered offense will help whoever is the featured back there, and that will be Joe Mixon. Now, Joe Mixon did tail off a little bit at points last year, which is why, as we fall into you know the 9, 10, 11 range, these aren't guys maybe you want to be taking in the first round, but I think Mixon is a solid option for a lot of reasons. You look at his points across the board last year, um, he started off really well. His stats are a little bit skewed by the 155-point game that he had, one of the highest-scoring games in fantasy football history. But he also had a game where he had 1.2 points. So he averaged those out. Um, you, you have sort of on either side of it. But he averaged 16 points last year. You have a lot of 11-point uh, games, 12-point games, that sort of consistent production. And I think that he won't have as good of a second option back behind him. Samaji Pirine left. Chase Brown, the current backup, I don't think will get quite as many touches. And as the Bengals' offense will presumably be just as good as it was last year behind Burrow and Chase and T. Higgins and everybody that they have, I think Mixon will continue to get a lot of touches as the passing game opens things up for the running game. So I think based on the consistency of the Bengals' offense, the pretty much consistency of Mixon except for the last few weeks last year, and the lack of a really strong second option back behind him means he'll get a lot of touches and a lot of points this year. Okay. Um, at number nine, I have Bijan Robinson, who might be the Saquon Barkley clone. The Falcons' mm-hmm. run game was actually very viable last year with Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson. Uh, I th- obviously, Bijan Robinson is a far more talented player than all that. Here's the thing. The Falcons are a really interesting team in a matter of where they are in terms of their development in their players. They have a really good offensive line, but the question is how good is Desmond Ritter? And this team is looking to kind of foster the growth of a lot of young players in that offense between Kyle Pitts, Desmond Ritter, Drake London, and now Bijan Robinson. Who do they decide to lean on? Uh, it, it seems to be Bijan because that running back position is super easy to lean on, and their run schemes have been relatively good. It's just like I don't necessarily believe in hyping up young running backs because I think that there is still a learning curve. And outside of – you know, maybe a couple guys here and there, although like the production is really easy to replicate as far as like the high end stuff. It's always a mixture of McCaffrey, Eckler, you know, Derrick Henry, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so it's, it's whether. So I think that I just have a more conservative approach to what Bijan Robinson actually is going to be able to do on a team that is a little confusing in terms of are they ready to win the division or are they just trying to build on for another year and and all of that. He's talented, but it's more about the quarterback behind him. Yeah, that's fair. All right, who do you have at 10? After that, I have Jonathan Taylor, who has had such a fall from grace, who was supposed mm-hmm. to be the, the guy last year and then never really got off the ground from there. Um, he did deal with a lot of injuries. He was the, probably one of the biggest busts in fantasy football over the over a, a long history of time, given that I think Jared even drafted him number one in a league where he had that yes. pick. So it's like, it's just, it's so hard to really rate this guy. I also think that Anthony Richardson, who is a really good rusher, is going to take away a lot of opportunities for him. There are going to be a lot of design runs for Anthony Richardson. There's going to be a lot of opportunities where maybe another quarterback like Joe Burrow would check down. Uh, but Anthony Richardson is athletic enough to be able to go out there and you know, make a play happen with his own legs. I think that that kind of hinders teams like the Kansas City Chiefs when it comes to their running backs in production outside of some design schemes or really perfect situations. And like the Ravens, who J.K. Dobbins has never really gotten going because Lamar Jackson is just such a good runner. 
and how do you take the ball mm-hmm. out of the, what might be the best runner on your team? Jonathan Taylor might be in that category where he's end up he ends up being the second best runner on that team. And how do you take the ball out of Richardson's hand at that point? So I think that there's just kind of we're kind of in the Goonies now a little bit with the rankings, uh, and Jonathan Taylor fits right in here at ten. Yeah, that's fair. All right, I'll do my last three, then 10, 11, 12, and you can do your 11, 12, and then we'll wrap it up. So my 10 um, is going to be Kenneth Walker the third, uh, running back for the Seahawks. I think if you look at his like, overall numbers last year, things get a little skewed because he didn't play too much the first few weeks of the season. He was sort of working his way into the lineup. No points the first week, three and a half the second week, 6.3, then 3.4. And then he had his big break, breakout week uh in week five last year with 14.8 and i think he's sort of a high floor type of guy once he hit that sort of 14 points last year he never really fell much below that he had one game with three but other than that he was never below um 11.9 never above 28.7 but i think you're going to get that sort of consistent production he's in the second year playing alongside Gino under Pete Carroll i think there's, there'll be consistency familiarity while he was sort of working his way to learn the system in their last year um he won't have that this year he'll have another year with geno smith by his side knowing the offense and he just has shown himself to be a really high floor guy so for that reason um i'll put him at 10 at 11 we're gonna have ramondre stevenson the running back for the new england patriots helped me a lot in my non-ppr league last year um consistent across the board seventh overall in points if you're looking at ppr um averaging 14.7 a game Again, you're in a weird sort of spot here where the running backs here really start to lose value. Um, Stevenson does get you some points, but he's really boomer bust. It seems there are games when he has three, four, five points, or games where he has 25 points. Like multiple games of 25 last year, multiple games seven or below points. So it just depends on how New England uses him in the offense. We'll see how Mac Jones does next year. I think if he takes a step back and they start to learn, lean more on the running game. You can see more big games from Stevenson, but I think he's a really big boomer bust type pick. And last, I have Bijan Robinson. Um, for all the we- reasons Wyatt mentioned, I think he has a really high upside, but I just worry about taking guys who have never played a snap mm, in the NFL agreed. and relying on them agreed. to be really high consistent point scorers. Two years ago, I was in a league and I took Kyle Pitts, I forget what round, but I reached a little bit on him on sort of the expectation that the Falcons were going to use him. And he, at that tight end possession, will be super high value because everybody across fantasy, across the NFL, was hyping Kyle Pitts up to be the next great thing, and he just fell short. So maybe part of it is a little bit me getting burned mm-hmm. by a really hyped-up rookie before, but especially on the same team two years ago. But I think I think Bijan has high upside, but I'm not going to rank him as one of the best overall running backs because he hasn't played a snap. You don't know how he's going to play, how he's going to adjust the NFL. And even if there is some period of adjustment, um, I don't want to take that risk on my running back necessarily. So I'll put Bijan at 12. Yeah, I got Joe Mixon here at 11, who I just think mm-hmm. has kind of fallen out of favor. I also think that, that given between Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, they just have a better offensive group around Joe Burrow outside of just the run game. This team did mm-hmm. lose some AJP Ryan, so that there might be some room for growth as Joe Mixon as a pass catcher. And he does scheme to be a three-down back. He had a really rocky offseason, though, and Mm -hmm. the team could actually gain a lot by moving on from him. I don't necessarily think that they will, but it's on the table. And what does Mm -hmm. Joe Mixon look like if he's not a Bengal on a really good offense? Um, So there's just kind of like some question marks about him and where he sits amongst the league. Um, And I also just think that, and this is not necessarily disrespectful, I just don't necessarily love 
him as like a rusher per se. I just think that it's kind of, it leaves a little bit to be desired outside of one 55 point game in PPR last year. He was Mm -hmm. just like 12 points across the board. And I want to draft a guy, you know, very high if he was 12 points across the board. He's just a name though. So it works out. And then at 12, I have Ramondre Stevenson, pretty much for everything you said, the fun thing about having a defensive head coach is they kind of follow these brown nose, or not brown nose, but uh, nose in the dirt style, you know, offensive schemes where even no matter who the offensive coordinator is, like we're running the damn ball. And Ramondre Stevenson seems to have a lot of value for him. He's probably the most talented weapon on that team. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's a good chance that he, who finished seventh last year in PPR, uh, ends up being really productive. I do want to correct something I said, though. I said that Josh Jacobson or T- Derrick Henry averaged more than Josh Jacobs. Uh, That's not true. I was looking at standard, which is non-PPR. Um, in full PPR, Josh Jacobson did average ever so slightly more than Derrick Henry, but it still kind of proves. He scored 20 more points in fantasy, but had a very similar average. Kind of proves like the boomer bust type deal. Yeah, for sure. All right, so those are our top 12s. Take them as you will. Uh, we're going to just finish off the show with some quick sort of hitting segments, most likely to biggest deal, things like that. We'll each have two of these, and then we'll wrap up the show from there. So we'll start off. Wyatt, you're going to tell us who's the most overrated running back. I'm going to take a shot at one of the guys that you ended up ranking, who you may have noticed I didn't have ranked. It's Brees Hall. And it's mainly because I think that players are going to people are going to reach on him forgetting that he is not just a guy who is on a better offense. He's a guy coming off an ACL injury. And for young running backs coming off an ACL injury, it does kind of prove that he's going to – or it seems that he's going to have a slow start given the history across the league. I also think that the team is going to take an identity to we're going to do whatever Aaron Rodgers wants us to do, and that's going to be more – you know, pass heavy Garrett Wilson, I think is going to thrive in this offense, but they're not adding Randall Cobb necessarily because they don't want to do what Aaron Rodgers says. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers wants to check out of a play, he's going to check out of a play. And I think hiring Hackett is just another note that says Aaron Rodgers is in charge here. And that might kind of take some carries away from Brees Hall, who I think is going to start slow and maybe year three is where he becomes a valuable play. Sure. All right, I'm up next. I'm doing a late round steal, um, and you know I had to mention an, uh, an Eagles player in here as I typically do. I'm gonna go with DeAndre Swift. So I think that Eagles are gonna have a killer O line next year, and Swift is gonna be almost certainly the lead back on the offense. While Hurts obviously will get a lot of carries at the cornerback uh, position, and the passing game there with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith at wide receiver is gonna get a lot of the love. The Eagles do consistently have good running games, and I think that DeAndre Swift. Um, we'll get a lot of not only rushes next year behind that great O-line as teams really scheme around the offense uh, or around the passing game, but DeAndre Swift is a good pass-catching running back, so I think he'll factor in to that well. While the Eagles will probably still do a little bit of a running back by committee next year with guys like Gainwell, Sean Penny, Boston Scott, Swift is going to get the bulk of the receptions and the carries, I think, and so behind that dynamic Eagles offensive line, I wouldn't be shocked if if you need an opening at the flex position or something like that, I think Swift could be a guy that gets you some points. 
Uh, all right, Wyatt, we mentioned some rookies earlier. Uh, who's the rookie do you think that is most likely to get you some points? Well, given the rankings, it's probably B. John Robinson. But the answer to every question can't be B. John Robinson when it comes to rookie running backs. <laughs> so I picked Jameer yeah. Gibbs, who actually did, who, who, who did end up going in the first round of this draft. Um, you already mentioned him, DeAndre Swift, gone. Jamal Williams didn't end up getting re-signed. Jameer Gibbs coming in. And Ben Johnson is, I'm not going to say he's the best play caller in the league, but he's probably in the in the conversation behind Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, and then maybe he gets murky from there and you, and you can start to put Ben Johnson in there. Their offensive line is really good. I'm going to say that they're the best offensive line in the league. Jared Goff is an efficient quarterback, and players like Amon Ross St. Brown have thrived in that short to intermediate game, and he wants to take a bigger role now, Amon Ra, as a more of a downfield pass catcher. So if they end up catering to that need, Jameer Gibbs is going to take that short yard stuff. They are going to scheme him open. They do plan to use him all across the board. And I think that he's just going to be really valuable for them for what his skill set is, which is imagine Alvin Kamara in this offense. With Alvin Kamara, was it with Sean Payton, he was phenomenal. And I think Jameer Gibbs can do the same thing because Ben Johnson is a really good play caller in this team I think is up and coming. If not arrived. Mm-hmm. I'd say NFC North favorites for yeah. sure at this point. Um, all right, last up, I'm going to do the biggest injury risk, and this is somebody that Wyatt ranked, but I didn't, and it is Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Wyatt sort of alluded to this, but many a person last year, including Jared in our own league, was burned by having Taylor at number one, only to really lose any shot of winning the league because you lost sort of all the value with the number one pick. And I worry about a lot of people making that same mistake this year. That said, he's not going to be probably a first-round pick in many, if any, leagues at this point. But I even think risking a later pick on him is, you know, a risky choice. He had those ankle injuries last year that sidelined him for a while. I don't expect those or other injuries to necessarily let up. Already in parts of minicamp for the Colts, he says, it said that he's still recovering from that ankle injury. He's not at 100%. DraftSharks.com lists him as having a 61% chance of injury next year. No idea how they calculate it, but that doesn't seem good or high. And I think, as you said too, just sort of getting outside the injury thing, with Anthony Richardson in there, I think he's going to get a lot less touches. So between the fewer touches and the potential for injury, I do worry about Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. And again, I ranked him, you know, 10th. So it's not like he is in a position of high prestige. Um, Guys who didn't rank in the top 12 last year would be like Najee Harris, Miles Sanders, uh, James Conner, Jarek McKinnon. Like it's kind of like you're in the weeds here a little bit. Ezekiel Elliott. So it's not like when you get past the top five, I think, or maybe let's say top six, I'll put Nick Chubb in that category. It kind of becomes really murky. So if Joe, if Jonathan Taylor falls out completely, especially given the injury, it's not like, like I wouldn't rank, I wouldn't draft him within the first four rounds of my draft. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's going to have to be like, I'm going wide receiver first. I just drafted wide receiver for the, for the first three rounds. Oh, I guess Jonathan Taylor's here. Maybe I'll think about taking him. I wouldn't draft him very high. Yeah, I'm totally in agreement. That's going to do it for our first ever fantasy football episode. If you like anything you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast as well as this, uh, this show will be next week talking about wide receivers. And then we do have our main podcast with the five man crew or we just talk general sports. We really appreciate you guys listening and we will see you guys all next week.